This is the Sonicast, where artists discuss their passion for creating music. We discuss everything about music creation, from the tech needed for success to music education. So if you love making beats, film scoring, or creating sample packs, this is the show for you, where you'll regularly hear from experts in their field discuss their experiences and learn what makes them highly sought-after professionals. Today's guest is Nick Spann. Nick is a leading sound designer in his field, specializing in creating sample packs for companies such as Loopmasters. He also is a performing drummer, having played halftime with rocker Alice Cooper at the Suns Arena and cumulatively in front of millions of people playing for various worship bands and churches. He's got lots of excellent wisdom to share here. gaming and, yeah. and of course that makes sense to me of course too what led you to actually go this is what I think I want to do mm-hmm. and how did that transition happen um it started uh I want to say 2010 um no 2007 2010 is when I actually was like making stuff that I can like be confident in um but 2007 early 2008 was when I started listening to a group called pendulum and they're, they're based, um, they're from Australia. I almost said the UK. (sighs) Gotta be careful there. (laughs) Um, but they're, they're from Australia. I like pendulum and, uh, or at least some of the main guys are, um, one of the guys, KJ Saka, he lives, he's the drummer for him. He lives in LA. I keep in touch with him every now and then. Um, I got introduced through a friend, um, to pendulum and I was like, yo, this is super dope. Yeah. And the sounds that uh Rob Swire mm-hmm. Pendulum mm-hmm. um at the time was making like blew me away because yes, I was a drummer and I was thinking as a drummer in that time, but there was something different about okay, cool, there's a synthesizer going on in the background or like, you know, some cool bass line, mm-hmm. but it takes you out of your uh self yeah needless to say um even though you're physically present you're taken out from reality in that moment of listening to something yeah um and that kind of is what got me really i guess enchanted with how to make something like that so what i ended up doing is i was like okay how do you make music first of all and then you know google was a great source. <laughs> so I typed in, how do you, how do you produce music? How do you start? And I felt Fruity Loops or FL studio at the right, time was right. big. Right. Yes. It um, was. cause you could torrent it super easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up down, whoops, downloading quote unquote. That's okay. what the bump was in the mic was for quotes. Air quotes. <laughs> um, and then I started, you know, messing around with like the synthesizers Okay. and like how to make, you know, a sound, what is a sound? What is, you know, how do you make a, a beat? Yeah. Um, and of course it, it sucked, <laughs> you know, of course, you know, there's the early phases. Gotta get you started. Know. Um, so from there was kind of like the journey. So I started in Fruity Loops and then I ended up figuring out what pendulum was and that was drum and bass. So I started YouTubing, uh, Fruity Loops drum and bass. Okay. And then there was a guy at the time which I feel like I need to make a Facebook to keep in touch with him. Um, he was, he was honestly the, the 100% main influence and source of why 
I produce music in the first place. Yes. Um, his name is Luke Ellis or Loki. Okay. He's on a, a record label called Bad Taste Recordings okay. based out of, I think, London or somewhere in the in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And his music video came up when I was uh, YouTubing Fruity Loops drum and bass. Mm-hmm. And his stuff, like, was on par with Pendulum. Okay. And, of course, he had cool visuals with it, so I was just totally, like, beside myself as I watched and was just taken to a different world with his music. So I was like, I want to get to that level of production. Okay. So he ended up making a few tutorials, how to make, you know, this cool bass, how to make a solid drum loop, and he was using that with Reason 4 at the time, which were, I think they're on reason 10 right now. Okay. So that's a, a huge gap. Yeah, sure. Is. So I ended up downloading, air quotes again, reason, <laughs> um, and followed step-by-step step, like his tutorials on how to make drums, uh, you know, how to make a certain lead sound or bass. And he didn't have a whole lot of tutorials, but what he had was super solid. Okay. Um, and at that time was really rare because music production in the late mid two thousands was still very mysterious. Not as it is today, you know, like we got ghost producers or, you know, this guy's a, you know, DJ, but he's got a ghost producer and they got people stream what they do. Many more resources now than before. Um, which I'll probably go on a rant (laughs) on that, but, um, that's what got me really started into drum and bass and electronic music. And I still am into drum and bass today. I just don't, make it as much because I'm kind of fatigued right currently right now. Okay. Um, fatigued with like 172 BPM, even though you cut that in half, that's, you know, 82, 85 or whatever. Tell me the significance of 172 BPM just real quick, just so that people have an idea what you mean by that. Yeah. So, uh, 172 BPM is think of, think of like your heart rate. I would say has a certain pulse. And I don't know the correct terminology it's okay. um, of like your rhythm or your, your beats per minute of your heart rate. But I think it's somewhere around someone correct me in the future. Um, but it's like one, we'll I want to say comments. 120, 128 or something like that. But right. that's like figuratively, I don't know the right number, but your heart goes bump, 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 right. bump, bump. So drum and bass would be. Bum, 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 I so see. So really, really fast. I see. Okay, so that, that yeah. beat per minute time frame mm-hmm. is meant specifically to make you feel pumped. Yeah. And it's actually a physiological mm-hmm. implementation. That So that's a set number. Yeah. It's a number that people recognize then, I guess, mm-hmm. I, I imagine, in the, in the world. Yeah. But they, they're not like, oh, yo, that's 186 or that's 172. They're they like, oh, it. that's that's way too fast. Right, right, right. Or like, I like that pulse. Mm-hmm. That's actually, that fascinating. I didn't know this. That's actually pretty interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me ask you a question. It's a little bit of a side note here. But do you find it easier to produce the music you do? And we're going to listen to some of it soon. Do you find it easier as a producer to first get through a life of knowing uh, chord structures and keyboards first, or would you say that it, that you've had an advantage of being a drummer first and then going down that road? Um, excuse me. Uh, I would say both because hmm. they're, <clears throat> and it depends on the school of thought too, because like I'm self-taught. Yes. So I didn't go the traditional way of, you know, learning this type of subdivision, this type of, you know, meter. 
Um, so I just went all by feel. And at the end of the day, when you make music, it goes all by feel. That's true. No matter how technical you are, no matter how, you know, how many different keys you can play in and transpose and go in and out and do negative harmony and stuff like that, like on piano, at the end of the day, it's how you express yourself and how you're able to right. convey that to people. That's what matters, and that's yes. why people relate, which is why um, I'm not I'm not knocking these guys because I know um, <coughs> Mike Port or Mike Portnoy's son, Max Portnoy. Mm-hmm. Like Dream Theater is hard for people to relate to, correct? Because it's very technical. Yes. Not saying that being technical technical is bad. It's it takes so long of a journey to get to that level right. that there's ima- so much amounts of respect that I have for people that are of that caliber because right. it's like that's that's where they're at. That's what they think. That's how they vibe. That's right. what they feel. Right. Um, it's just not the majority of people feel that same way. Well said. Well said. I'll tell you, my, my, uh, my wife and my daughter, we went to watch a movie yesterday. Um, and before the movie, they were playing a lot of pop music and a lot of the mm-hmm. pre-movie stuff. And we were listening to it, and it was the same four chords as you know. It's like da 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 one four five six, and that was it. That was the whole song. There was no, there was no chorus, no pre-chorus. There was no rise or fall, no dynamics. And my thirteen-year-old daughter noticed it, and she was like, "This is boring." She's like, "This is really, really boring." And then she goes, "But I think that's probably what most people listen to, because people around the music genre, you know, you know, in my." iTunes playlist, I got all sorts of stuff and mm-hmm. it's all over the place, but most of it you wouldn't play in the malls just mm-hmm. because people wouldn't pay yeah. attention to it. It doesn't really reach most people. Or they don't want to think. Oh, they don't want to think. Which is uh, not point. a good thing. Um, I'm recently... I don't think so. I, I don't think it's a good thing either. I agree. Yeah. I, I recently uh, got a book from a really great uh, neuroscientist named uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf. And I've been listening to her for a long time. She's a believer and does a bunch of talks at churches about your thinking ability and thoughts and how that transfers down to your DNA hmm. and how it transfers and turns into words Okay. and how what you think about builds up physical matter in your head. Okay. Um, so it's like such a eye opening thing. And when she started talking about how intelligent each individual is, Um, it makes me understand more of why you can have music today and all the people that make the music have something that sounds completely different because she was saying the capacity that our mind has to build up memory and to store thoughts is up to a minimum of 3 million years, which is very mind boggling. Interesting. Because it's like, okay, if, if our brain has that capacity, then music should always be limitless, regardless of how many three or the same three three or four chords that you play. It's going to be different every single time because of the unique human nature that we have. Um, which brings me to the point of now that we're in the current age and society that we are, we're programmed a certain way. We're programmed not sure. to not to think for ourselves or think necessarily in general. Um, so that's why music is programmed a certain way as well to cater to this kind of, um, I don't want to say manipulation, but system mm-hmm. to a degree right? of like, okay, we're going to use this because it's simple. Lyrics are simple. Um, people are dumb, which people aren't. Right. And they don't, unless they're taught that they're very smart, they're not going to know that they're smart. 
Um, Interesting. So that's the the way I look at music, which is why I don't dumb down what I do. Right. Because I know how smart people are. And ultimately, at the end of the day, feeling will hit that and be like, oh, I like that. I'm going to keep listening to this. And that's why I'm not going to change the format to cater to a simple I think I understand. So in essence, you're you're saying that there's this um, undefined, innate way that everybody interprets music. I think that just some people are capable of, of um, well, academically, but they're able to actually talk about why they feel this way Mm -hmm. rather than just, oh, I feel good. Oh, this feels nice. There are others who are, are a little bit more knowledge in it. They know I know why I feel good. Mm-hmm. I know why it sounds good. I yeah. know why it makes my heart beat mm-hmm. faster. Or I know why I'm sad in this song. Mm-hmm. So I think great music makers know how to do that and mm-hmm. they can manipulate it on demand. Yeah. So that's interesting philosophy too. I'm glad you brought that up. Right. This is really great stuff. Let's take just a couple of minutes for an advertisement break. Hi there. I'm Dan Young, co-founder of Sonic Productions, your music production company. We partner with businesses to help you deliver your best message professionally, elegantly, and with the power to capture your audience. Our goal is to serve you as you seek to grow your brand, whether you use Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or other mediums like podcasting or television. We'll work with you to custom tailor a song to fit your campaign, or you can visit our music licensing business, Sonica, to choose from over 100 original songs ready for licensing. Voiceover narration is also available. So when it's time to seriously consider growing your business, consider Sonic Productions to stand out. Sonic Productions, our music, your story. Visit us at www.sonicproductions.biz to contact our team and to learn more. Um, Tell me a little bit about, um, because now we're moving into where you've just been a drummer You've done some, you've, I'm hearing about your influences in programming. Tell me a little bit about how you actually started to sit down and started to put something pen to paper, so to speak. You had an idea. You started to use this. You used this. Uh, what was that experience like? When did that get started for you? Um, I want to say <clears throat> probably 2009, 2010. So I was for a couple of years still like sucking quite bad. And figuring out like how to, how to, you know, orchestrate something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it wasn't until after I religiously watched Loki's videos, like, and listened to his music that I was like, okay, there's a certain thing that he does, um, or a certain type of approach that he does. And I was trying to mimic that in, you know, said drum and bass track that I would do early on in in my years of development for production. And once I had, I want to say my first tune that I really liked, it was called Bioshock. Yeah. Or no, it was called Biofreeze. Biofreeze. Okay. Cream that you rub on your joints. (laughs) 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 Naming stuff is hard, man. Right. Um, Just don't call it Ben Gay. Yeah. I was like, uh, Cause my mom had some, some biofreeze and I was like, ah, oh, Ben Gay or biofreeze, biofreeze. biofreeze. <laughs> good, good job. So, uh, good, good choice. Um, so that was, I like compared it in with his and looking back now, I was like, yo, I can't believe I was that arrogant to say, yeah, this is on par with Loki's thing. But the fact that mm. I completed something mm. was like 
it made me feel great because I was successfully completing something, even though it was not really that good. It was the approach and getting used to um, finishing something or, hey, I have an idea of, hey, I want my lead synth to go bump, 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 or whatever way and like build something around that. Right. Um, and I didn't really know about sound design at all. So I was just taking a bunch of presets, throwing them all together. Right. Um, and I was like, man, it still doesn't quite feel or hit like a tune that Loki does. Okay. Um, so, man, if I knew I was going to talk about Loki, I would have brought some of them. No, that's all right. No, that's good. <laughs> it's all good. But, uh, um, yeah, it was very uh, interesting to see because there was a time where I didn't um, – I didn't really practice drums while I was getting deep into music production and I'm kind of in this phase again. Okay. Um, so I feel weird about it because I drum so much during the week that me taking time out again to like produce and like get really caught up in something like I like that feeling, Hmm. but at the same time I have to balance being a great drummer and then, you know, also being a great producer and sound designer. So if I can just, I got a question. If you if you take time out of being a drummer for a while and you're just working on sound production, I know that you feel like you can lose your chops, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes. And I feel this playing saxophones, I'm the same way. If I'm stepping away from where I'm playing on a regular basis, mm-hmm. I got to work my way back in it. Yeah. When you're not sound designing for a while, do you lose your chops in that? Or is it something where you, um, you kind of get right back where you left off? No, there is a weird phase. Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> that... Uh, so when I when I started um, balancing drumming and music production slash sound design or just music in general, mm-hmm. um, there was a point to where <clears throat> I got really good at sound design and I can make, I, I'm still at that point, but like when I first started, I was like, oh, wow, I can make a sound with, you know, within a half hour, 45 minutes and have it all locked in. That's amazing. Um, but then my drumming suffered a little bit because I noticed like, okay, I can hear exactly what I want to play in my head, okay. but my facilities are a little rusty. Interesting. So I was like, okay, let me take a, a bit of a break from sound design, right. get my facilities back to where it's easy to speak. Um, which is why I practice to Kaz's stuff because it's really challenging because that level of difficulty is what you, is what becomes normal so that when you take a break or are out of season, you don't really lose your facilities because of the difficulty of what you were practicing. Okay. Um, but when I did that and then switched back over to sound design, I realized I wasn't as motivated to make a sound or I would open up, you know, a digital synth and I was like, (laughs) let me, uh, let me remember how to like channel, like what does what, right. So there's like some circuitry, of repetition that you need on both ends. Okay. Um, which is why, uh, KJ Saka, the drummer from pendulum, I messaged him years ago on, on Facebook and I was asking him about DJing and production. And he said, if you can do both, do it. Right. Because he does both. He DJs and he drums, but he also does, um, music production as well. Sure. So he under, he understands the, keeping everything in motion, keeping fresh on all yeah. of those bases. That's mm-hmm. good. Really, really good. That's pretty fascinating. I love how you have just evolved from where you just had a fascination of music, mm-hmm. playing uh, drums, and then actually listening to other artists, paying attention to what they do, hyper-focusing on what they do and getting well, 
and then implementing that to yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I really like and what you said is that my first stuff sucked, Mm -hmm. but I did it anyway. And there's a lot of satisfaction in at least getting Mm -hmm. started. Um, Because I didn't do anything because like I would I would play games a lot and I even had like a, a electric kit. Yeah. As well. And I put all of that on hold, like where I would stay up till like two, three in the morning, just making stuff. Wow. Like I would literally, I moved, <laughs> I moved my, that's where you had a passion. You I moved okay. my computer from, so I had a futon at the time that at the end of the futon frame, mm-hmm. there was a little shelf and I put my monitor at the end of that so I can lay down and make music as well. Wow. So I would like fall asleep to wow. wake up in the morning. <sighs> Like wake up, have my headset on. I was like, oh, I fell asleep again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like understanding that, which is sometimes wow. the rub of when it turns into like it pays your bills mm-hmm. because then it's like it's it's still a passion, but the, there's more of a seri- seriousness okay. to it. There's more of a like I have to do this. So what was it like when you first started I'm going to follow that along a little bit. What was it like for you when you first started paying the bills or, or maybe started getting paid to do this? Mm-hmm. What was, what was your first client like? And then how that feel to actually get some money back mm-hmm. for what you did? Um, for drumming wise, it was when I uh, started gigging, I was working full-time construction with my dad. I was roofing. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that for two years and he always encouraged me. He goes, I know this isn't your, your deal, mm-hmm. but he said, this is going to teach you what like a hard day's work, you know, what it is to work, you know, a 13, 14 hour day, get up early, go to bed early. Mm -hmm. Um, but like sometimes I kind of miss that, like using my hands. I mean, I use my hands now, but not in the degree of swinging a hammer, you know, tearing off a roof. Um, but that was very, uh, edifying having that like cool. I had a full, you know, full great week. We got this roof done. But there was something about like completing like a hard day's work and then hitting the shower afterwards. And it's like, ah, the the showers feels great. Like I earned it. (laughs) So um, with drumming, it was I was working with my dad roofing full time. And then I started gigging part time with uh, my buddy, Elijah Atkinson, who has um, Worship Support Network out here. Mm -hmm. And I think. uh, First, he, he has a another company alongside worship support network where he's able to book out bands to venues or places that need it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started gigging with him and it was just him and I, so he was on acoustic. I was on Cajon. Right. We play three to four hours set. And from there, like it was like, okay, cool. I got paid, you know, two bills or a bill. Yeah. And I was like, ah, this is, this is pretty cool. At the time it didn't really register of like, Oh, I can turn this into, you know, my job. Sure. Um, and then from there it started to pick up to where he was playing more and I was playing at church more. So I was able to kind of shift to work part time. And in that time I went from roofing to working, you know, at a little cafe washing dishes because I didn't need that high demand of labor right. to supplement income. Right. So it finally went, uh, full-time part-time work, part-time, part-time, part-time working at the cafe, full-time music, and then full-time music. So there was this transition, this phase. It wasn't like you just started and then now I'm just playing. Yeah. Okay, got Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you don't hit the gym and, you know, I'm going to bench press, you know, 500. You don't? You're going to 
I mean, I do, <laughs> you could tell, <laughs> but it's, it's, there's that gradual, you know, process of sure. You have to understand what you can do and what you're capable of at that time. And also if you're mentally not there, it won't, you can have this big, you know, you can have a, you know, Bentley given to you, but if you don't know how to like take care of a vehicle, it's not going to register. So, so that's a good transition as to making money by, by playing gigs and playing music, playing drums. What was it like for you to start making money in sound design, what you're doing now? Mm-hmm. Who's your first client? What did that look like for you? Um, that was a, I think that was my phone. Okay, yeah. Nice. Um, that started with <clears throat> another buddy of mine who lives in London. Um, he's a graphic designer now, and he's... Okay. Excellent. Okay. He's so good. Okay. Um, he, uh, him and I were, we started, we had YouTube channels. Um, we would bounce back ideas. Um, and if I would have stuck with it at that time, I would have had a bigger YouTube channel now, but you know, that's not a problem now that I can just, I can do that. But, um, he did a, a preset pack for a synthesizer in reason for a company called loop masters, which is who I work for now. Okay. Um, or one of the companies that I work for now. And I asked him, Hey dude, how did you, you know, go about doing this pack? Because he's the dude can still produce. He just hasn't done it in a while. Um, but he was like, yeah, I just sent a message to this guy on, on Facebook via loop masters. And he said, send me a demo of your stuff. And from there he got the project because of his demo was cool Mm -hmm. of his sounds. So that was the same process for me. I messaged this guy on Facebook. I said, Hey, my buddy Nick as well, his, his name's Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, he made a pack for you guys. I was just curious, you know, are you guys still looking, you know, for work? Um, and Paul, who's one of the head guys at Lube Masters, he said, yeah, send us a demo of your work. So I was like, oh, I was scrolling through my stuff and I was right. like, okay, I think this is good enough. So I sent it to him and he said, cool, let's, you know, what synth do you want to do? And I said, let's do massive. Um, so it started to where... That started back in 2015. Okay. So four years ago. Okay. Well, geez. Yeah, already. Man. Yeah, um, man. It flies. To where it was, I did one pack f- for Massive, which is a virtual synthesizer, and that was it for the year of 2015. It was like toward the tail end. And then 2016 rolled around. I did um, another pack. So it started like one pack per year or okay you know and then it moved to per quarter and now like i'm doing stuff every month nice for them because they consistently like the work but once i got the uh because i did a buyout i didn't do a royalty with them because i was like i'm not established people don't know my name yet so it's like if if i do royalty what's did did you feel that being a better way to start out yeah okay um and i was like okay wow i you know made five times as much doing this one pack versus drumming and that's where i was like oh well here's kind of an issue like i still really like drumming um but i haven't made that much drumming because it's still the same rate for musicians people right undermined musicians and undermined that yeah, as the I art think i you think know? it's fair yeah um, i've seen that a lot too so yeah so i was like oh okay so maybe i can see about trying to make this more of a steady thing um and i just kept hitting them up and you know, Paul, until he can like trust that, like I was, you know, can constantly produce, mm-hmm. you know, stuff. Um, 
yeah, it just kind of built up over time. Same thing where I was, it was like part-time, part-time or full-time, part-time, that right. whole transition. Right. So now it's kind of like the gigs that I do now drumming wise is like extra cash, which is great. Right. Um, so I'm trying to work on like, it would be nice to have one month to where I don't do any drum gigs, but drum in church. Okay. And just full, fully go all out, you know, sound design production. I can make, you know, some stuff for myself right? and get myself established as an electronic artist because that's my ultimate, okay. you know, vision and goal outside of, you know, music for games and stuff like that. So as possibly maybe like a future, you're not having to do all these different types yeah. of gigs, all these other types mm-hmm. of, of, of work. You could focus on just what mm-hmm. really makes you what you really like. To yeah. Do. And it, it took me a while because it was like, okay, I still like drumming, but I'm not like obsessed mm-hmm. with drumming. Um, like my mentor is Steve Gould. He's the dude's guru. He's, <laughs> he's pretty amazing. I really like, I just, I sit down and whenever we have like one-on-one talks in his studio mm-hmm. and he plays, I just want him to keep playing. <laughs> Cause I just, I get so he's like so taken away. So yeah. Cause in. his yeah. groove is so well, like the way that he, like what he says and what he means when mm-hmm. he plays is 100% genuine. Yep. So like, I hope I'm able to convey that when I play, right. you know, I hope right. people feel that. Um, it's just that like, I don't obsess over drums as I do like this cool sound or this mix down or like this track really hits me. Um, how Steve is about drums is how I am about like electronic music in general. Mm-hmm. Like that's how, like I really feel mm-hmm. about something. You've been listening to The Sonic Cast, where artists discuss their passion for creating music. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can find show notes in the descriptions, as well as information to hear more from our guest. You can also visit us at www.sonicproductions.biz to license music and shop for some cool merchandise. Sonic Productions, our music, your story.